Hello everyone and welcome to today's recording of the Hospitable Host podcast. I'm Miles from the marketing team here at Hospitable. We are an Inc. 5000 company that gives short-term rental hosts their valuable time back. Joining me today is Tim, CEO of Bowie. Bowie provides practical revenue management advice for hosts and managers. Tim is here today to talk about STR pricing and common revenue management mistakes, uh, and most importantly, how to avoid them. Tim, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, first question I always like to ask our guests is, where are you calling in from? Ah, uh, yes. I'm in Alexandria, Virginia, just outside of Washington, D.C. Nice. Lovely. How's the weather there? It's starting to turn a bit wintry now? or uh, Just, you know, a, a little bit. There's a, a crispness in the air. Uh, it still definitely feels very fall-like. So yeah. it's, it's beautiful. I, I can understand why people like this part of the country so much. Sweet. Nice. And it is that home for you? Or is it this is, kind of... It is. Yeah. It, we recently, so I spent the last five years in California uh, mm-hmm. and we, we recently moved here because my wife and I just had a baby and this is where her whole family is. So yes, the, the pull of the, the generation. So we are, we're new transplants to the DC area. Amazing. Well, congratulations. First off, thank you. Thank you. Cool. Um, so let's get into it. Um, let's start with a bit of background on yourself and why you know about revenue management. You know, we want to show that you're an expert. So yeah. you've had a bit of a career in revenue management. Maybe just kind of take us back a bit. What is your story, Tim? Yeah. So I actually started as an Airbnb host um, more than 10 years ago now. Um, you know, Airbnb was like just getting off the ground. I, I had a friend uh, who, you know, had taken this uh, trip to Boston and he was like, hey man, like I, I paid for my flight by renting out my place on this site called Airbnb. Um, and so I started looking into it. It looked really cool. It was like first a side gig for me and then it became a full-time gig and I like grew my own portfolio that was all in Chicago, you know, back in the day. Um, and then I left that behind to join Oasis. Uh, Oasis at that time had about 2000 properties globally. And initially I was launching their, uh, their Chicago portfolio for them, but, uh, Lucky for me, Hyatt invested. Hyatt was based in Chicago and they really Mm -hmm. liked the way that I approached revenue management. So I asked them for some formal training, went through the big program that they do with Cornell University, and I've been focused on uh, revenue management and pricing ever since. Awesome. Sounds a a great journey. So so how about Bowie itself? Um, You know, when did that start and, and what exactly do you do? What are your services? Yeah, so uh, that started. It started in 2019 officially. Uh, around 2018, I was leaving Oasis. They had sold to Vacasa, uh, and so I went off to do my own revenue management thing, just you know, pricing independently for people. And I realized that there was a, there was a lot of frustration in the industry with the the tools that existed at that time. And I thought that I could build something better and something simpler. So uh, we spent like from 2019 through 2020 building the product and then like have spent the time since then, like really refining it and expanding it. Um, initially, it was only for people who had like more than 100 properties. You know, we like served a lot yeah. of like really big enterprise level users. Um, but then over time, like my heart has sort of like grown towards the entrepreneurs at the, at the other end of the scale, you know, people with fewer than five properties, sometimes even people with zero properties who are just trying to get started. Um, and so the, the company has been shifting more towards that segment in, uh, in recent years. Amazing. I think you will find that majority of our listeners are in that sweet spot of, you know, one to five properties as well. That really is, you know, the the area that Hospitable kind of specializes in. So uh, I'm sure you'll have lots of those listeners um, wanting to hear more about your service today. <laughs> great. Yeah. So, so um, sorry, in, go ahead. 
I, sorry, I didn't, I didn't answer your question about what our services are. Um, we have automated pricing. So we have, uh, you know, bots and AI that will read the market conditions, assign you a, a comp set and determine, say like, look, based on what your property looks like, based on how it's performed in the past, we think that you should be priced here on, on these dates out in the mm -hmm. future. Um, and it, uh, it really takes this view of, all right, when somebody's shopping for homes in my area, what are the other homes that are showing up like realistically when they're shopping for mine? Where are they priced and how can I make sure that I'm always in line with them? Um, so that way it becomes more about like offering a really high quality product uh, mm -hmm. as opposed to like trying to get really specific on pricing and like looking at last year and trying to forecast and all of this stuff. No, we can really simplify it by looking at who are your direct competitors who are uh, the best performers in the market and how are they performing and how can we emulate their success? Amazing. And in terms of the hosts that do come and work with you, is there a certain kind of point in the journey that they do typically come and kind of reach out to you for help? Are these people that are already well-established? Are they kind of new yeah. to the industry? Yeah. So uh, there's a couple of different ways to go about it. Sometimes people will be frustrated. They'll be like, you know, Price Labs is too complicated. Like I'm feeling overwhelmed. I, I need I need help. Um, and but then there are a lot of people who are just looking for for something for the the first time. And there's this window of it, usually it's like right when they're starting to get the photos together. You know when they're putting their listing together. Okay. That's the first time that they that they start contacting us. And then that uh, that window goes all the way out to when they receive their first couple of reservations. And those reservations were lower than they initially thought. So like that that's the window when people really reach out. But if I'm being honest, the beginning of that window is too early and the end of that window is too late. And there's one specific time uh, when you should really be focusing on pricing your listings, which is like the moment you're ready to turn it live. You know, like when you are ready, you have all of the photos taken, everything's curated, everything's ready to go. Pricing should be the very last thing that you do before you hit publish. Okay. Well, that's a great tip. Just straight <laughs> off the bat there. I love that. <laughs> Um, and then in, in terms of kind of, so revenue management really has quite a lot of parts to it, realistically. Um, maybe let's just kind of get back to basics before we get into kind of some of the common mistakes. What is revenue, revenue management to you? What is your definition of revenue management, I guess? Yeah, so it's just pricing your listing. So putting prices down on the calendar that will attract a, the, the highest possible yield and then reporting on your progress so you can know how you're doing. It's really just those two things. Simple. Good. I like it. And then really, you know, the, the main topic area that we want to talk about today, the, the title of this podcast episode, is basically those common mistakes around revenue management. So it sounds like maybe timing is one of them, but let's maybe dive into that a little bit more yeah. and, and talk about some more of the mistakes that you see people making. Yeah. So timing is definitely one of them. People get really, people know that pricing is like a conceptually complicated thing because uh, you're like, oh, yeah. I don't know what all of the high value dates are. I don't know how to like gauge those versus the other dates on the calendar. Um, and so they like it, it occupies a, a big place of anxiety in people's minds as they're sort of getting everything set up. Um, and really the thing that you should be focusing on is getting your listing in perfect condition, taking the most perfect photos that you can, like, because that at the end of the day, like that's your product. Uh, and the, the price is really just part of your advertisement. Um, so like focusing on, on the wrong time definitely can, can be a big distraction. Uh, the 
other sort of really big problem I see people encountering is they overcomplicate um, and they think, oh, okay, well, you know, I, I really need to be monitoring the market every single day. I need to be looking at, you know, several years of historicals and then I need to be forecasting and trying to accommodate for like industry growth or like, you know, a, all of a sudden, like there's more homes in the market this year. So how does, how should that be impacting my price? That's like almost all of that is, I don't want to say worthless, but it's, it is indicative of a time when we as an industry had worse visibility into our market conditions. And so we were trying to use all of these metrics to like triangulate on a perfect price. And then as soon as something in the market changes, like all of that goes out the window and like you have to do all of it over again. I can tell you, like if you're thinking of thinking about going down those lines, throw it all out. You, you don't need to do any of that. What you really need to do is just figure out, okay, where are the listings similar to me? Like where are they priced? And how do I want to position my home relative to them? Like I, a lot of places, everything's high in 4th of July, everything's high in New Year's Eve, you know, those kinds of things great. See where they're priced, you know, try to determine where your listing is in terms of quality relative to them. And then, you know, with a, a bunch of time in the booking window, put yourself up near the top. Like there's still lots of time. And as the booking window is like really closing, well then bring your, bring your rate down relative to them. That's really all that you, you need to do. Amazing. So really, you know, the golden rule there is uh, don't overcomplicate things. There's a lot of noise, there's a lot of data out there, but it's yeah. quite simple, really. You're only competing against a certain number of people in your area. People often set up where they want to go. They're just choosing which, you know, stay out of maybe three to five places, realistically. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I recommend that people look at a comp set of like 25 listings, you know, maybe up, up to like 50 listings, because a lot of those are going to get booked up as the booking window closes. And so if you start with 50, you're, you're going to end up with five by the time like the, the day of arrival arrives. Um, but really, you just need to be in the mix, just be like similarly priced. And then from there, it's about making sure your communication is really strong. Your reviews are really strong. Um, you know, the, the photos are high quality, like the, the bathroom drains drain correctly. Like those are the hard and not reducible parts of the process. Um, that really uh, that, that are really going to be the difference maker in terms of your earnings. When it comes to revenue management, I just recommend that people stay in the mix with, with their comps and that they really only go in and look and adjust like once a week. It's like truly you, especially if you've only got one listing, you shouldn't be spending more than like 30 minutes a week, like really thinking about your pricing. If you do, you're going to overcomplicate it and you're going to like hang yourself with too much rope. Yeah, that's essentially costing you time and money, essentially, if you're yeah. spending too much time trying to figure out pricing, right? Um, you could be doing more important things, taking better photos or writing you know, nicer guest replies that are, I don't know what, but something yep. else to kind of boost those reviews, basically. Yep. Amazing. So why do you think that, and, and, and maybe it's misinformation, but why do you think that people do make these common mistakes? You've talked about a few there that you see people making with revenue management. Why do you think hosts, you know, have these errors? I assume you see people time and time again, you know, worrying over pricing for most of their week kind of thing, yeah. or they're trying to price their property before their listings even ready to go out into yeah. the world. Why do you think that happens? Well, it feels very complicated. 
because there's 365 days on the calendar. Um, and so like, you know, there's just a lot of prices to put down and then, you know, you've got to change them at some point, but you don't really know like exactly when, and then if anything in the market changes, like you, you've got to do that again. And so it's, and then also because you can't really cancel your reservations, you know, and preserve superhost status or whatever, the stakes are high. And so people tend to like really overthink it and get like way down into the weeds. The other thing is, um, Airbnb and the other OTAs, they really try to hide where everyone else is priced because they don't really want people going in and, and focusing on price and like, you know, really fine tuning against their competitors. Um, but, and so like for, for a long time, it was very difficult to see where your comps are priced. It was, that was like unknowable yeah. or you'd have to pay a ton of money or like hire a revenue manager like me to, to figure that out. But over the past two years, uh, all of the dynamic pricing systems have like pretty good forward-looking uh, competitor rates. You'll they'll all give you some sort of a, a comp set. Um, you know, they all have like 365 or more days of visibility, and so everyone now should have these tools accessible to them. And so it's just a matter of saying like, okay. I, I saw this podcast with some guy five years ago where I heard, you know, I went to some seminar five years ago and they were talking about historical trends and all of this stuff. And so I feel like I need to do that. But really, like if you're using, you know, if you're using Bowie, like we just have the, uh, the comp set pricing there. If you're using Price Labs, you really just need to like go into that neighborhood data tab and, you know, all of the answers are, are going to be there. Um, still, like all of the tools have like, 500 other like levers that you can pull. It's just like, you don't need to pull them. Just like leave those alone and only focus on, on where uh, all of your comps are priced. Okay. That sounds good. And then what about when we're kind of comparing different channels? So you kind of mentioned there Airbnb, other OTAs, OTA being online travel agencies, different booking channels like booking.com and and Verbo. What about pricing differently between those different channels? Yeah. So I, one common thing I see people do is they they do like a little rate inflation that matches the different um, uh, commission amounts on the different channels. So I, I do recommend that. I think that's a, a smart thing to do. Um, the other thing that you need to do in, in terms of like differentiating, differentiating your pricing is use the discounts that are native to the OTA. So like go into Airbnb and put in like special promotions, go into Expedia and use their special promotions because um, it, but like keep pushing like the same raw rate to all of those channels. Um, the, whenever you do that, you get visibility boosts on, on each of those individual channels and they are the best way to ensure that your, uh, your home gets booked. So I don't necessarily want a different price on each channel because like at the end of the day, a dollar is a dollar. But um, I do recommend people utilize the native discounts in order to maximize their visibility on, on those channels. Um, and one, one other note, this isn't exactly what you, what you asked about, but sometimes people come to me and they're like, Oh my God, like I, I feel like I feel so worried. I'm getting 90% of my reservations from Airbnb. And then I only get another 10% from Verbo. Like, you know, what is going on? That's, that's really not that big of a problem to me. Like to me, that looks like, okay, so your listing has done so well 
uh, you know, you've gotten so many views, you've gotten so many conversions that Airbnb is pushing you up to the, the top of the search results and, and people are responding. Great. So you've, you've done a great job on that channel. And then by, ex by extension, that's eating up the calendar. So when you give that calendar then to Verbo, there are way fewer nights available, uh, you, which means you get fewer views, fewer conversions. You end up falling in, that, in the, the page rank there. That's okay. It's, it's not the end of the world. And if you only have one to three properties, you don't have enough calendar to have a big presence on all of those platforms. Because like, as soon as somebody books New Year's Eve, well, that's like the peak night. And, and so you're just not going to have a, uh, uh, you're not going to be able to, to book it on a different channel. I think that we, we get advice or we look at, you know, Sonder or Casa, any of those like really big, uh, really big operators. And we see them as super professional. Um, and they're like, oh yeah, we've got this unit mix where it's like pretty even from Google and from Verbo and from, you know, our own direct booking. But like, they've got 2000 listings and a lot of those listings, like, you know, they've got 50 units that are all, that all have like the same one listing that's on those, those properties because they're all like nearly identical one beds. And so they have enough inventory in these nights to be able to show up on those channels. It's something that the, the big platforms can do and the, the small platforms uh, struggle a lot more with. And I know that it can be nerve wracking to think about like, Oh, I've got so much, so much writing on this one channel. And if I get delisted from Airbnb, then like everything's going to, you know, everything's going to collapse, but like Airbnb is not going anywhere. And unless something huge happens, like some regulatory issue, or like if you were running your business the wrong way, then, then you're at, you're at risk, but that's true for, for all channels. So, yeah. um, I say if you're crushing it on one channel, celebrate that and don't try to like damage your, your success on one channel to improve it on another one. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's fair to say that actually, you know, for hospitable hosts listening, I think if you were to go and ask the majority of our customers, they'd say that actually in the most part, it is just one channel that's winning. It's probably Airbnb most of the time for them. Um, and so really for any listeners that are worried about, you know, most of the eggs been in one basket, you're not the only one in that boat. I think a lot of people in that situation, um, that's just how it works as, as Tim yep. so expertly described it. <laughs> so yeah. Uh, and then just kind of on, on channels, uh, obviously hospitable, we have our kind of direct offering, uh, allows people to build their own direct booking website with kind of the protections of guest screening, damage protection built in. We also have the ability for hosts to kind of add promo codes to their site. Mm -hmm. pricing for direct versus Airbnb, for example. Um, what are your suggestions around that? Should we be kind of essentially discounting there to try and undercut our Airbnb listing? You know, the, the commission is lower anyway, so we're mm -hmm. going to be getting more of the revenue as is. What are your thoughts around that? Yeah, so uh, the I, I've seen a lot of success in that, you know, you sort of count on the OTAs adding a 15% commission. And so if you want to compete, then add just like a blanket 10% discount on, on your own site. And then already you're going to be earning 5% more, but you know, let's say you're showing up in Google results or something like that. Well, you're going to be the, the cheapest option. Um, and so like, that's, I, I tend to practice price parity with the exception of like your own direct channel, like make a really small discount. Um, but it has yeah. to be in the same range. You can't have two different prices. Because for me, I would always look like if I find a, a, a home that has its own website, 
like it's got to have a ton of reviews and a ton of like uh, a ton of market validation in order for me as a consumer to trust it. Because I know that if I book on Airbnb and something goes wrong, Airbnb is going to have my back. They're going to help me get rebooked. They're going to like take care of the refund, all of that stuff. If I'm booking at, if I'm booking directly, there's some chance that the home I'm going to book is a a scam or something. And so I like it, it damages my, my faith in, in the, um, uh, in the product. And so what I do is I, I look and I see, and then I try to find the same home on Airbnb and say like, okay, is this listed other places? Is this legit? And if it is, then I'll like, I'll go ahead and go ahead and book. Um, but it's, it can be really, it can be really, really helpful, especially if you have a super singular property, um, like something that doesn't exist other places. I, I work with a guy who has a gorgeous, like full on mansion, like wood paneled walls everywhere, six bedroom mansion on a PGA golf course. And he's like, he's the only one, (laughs) he's like the only one who has that kind of property at that golf course. So naturally he gets a lot of like repeat visitors and and so once uh, once a, a group of guys like plans their August golf trip to that PGA course and the stays stays in that singular property, well, they're going to want to rebook the next year and they're going to tell their friends about it. And so the property does the work that you would normally be counting on Airbnb to do, um, which is like gain you gain you exposure and, and get you guests. So I feel like direct booking channels are really, really helpful if you have a, a super singular property. But if you're opening up like just a, a normal one bed in an urban area, then like it's probably going to have some some diminishing returns for you because you, you can't compete against Airbnb in, in the same way. Of course. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, those repeat bookings, definitely one for direct for sure, because you are going to you know take all that money, basically. You don't have to give Airbnb yeah. that commission, right? And you, you already know that that person, that guest, so it makes sense to try it through direct yep. for sure. Uh, so then getting on to kind of buoy again and 2024, it's just around the corner. Scary, mm-hmm. I know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we've recently kind of integrated buoy with Hospitable. Um, what else is coming down the pipeline? What's new for you guys and what's coming up? Yeah. So honestly, this is a a huge priority of mine. My goal for 2024 is to serve a thousand different uh, early stage entrepreneurs. You know, we've we've worked with 10,000s of listings in the past, but those tended to be with the the larger companies that, you know, had had like large portfolios. But I want to work with a thousand individuals who are getting started on their entrepreneurial journey and help them achieve their dreams. It's just, it's so, I don't know, There, it's a really different experience, like for me, helping an individual achieve. And like a lot of these people, they're cashing out their 401ks or they've saved up like a ton of money and they have a lot riding on the success of this yeah. one place. You know, I bought this home in Bradenton, Florida. I bought this home in San Diego. And like, this is going to be the place for me. I'm going to go take two vacations there a year. And then other than that, it's going to be like my, my side income. Um, I really, really like helping those people and like being a part of their entrepreneurial journey, as opposed to like, you know, the, the big guys, they're, they're great for business, but at the end of the day, like if you think about where the money goes, it's going to go to a private equity firm or something like that. And that just like doesn't warm my heart in the same way. So 2024 is going to be the year of the individual for us. I love it. I love it. Uh, and then generally, 
you know, what's your thoughts on the industry as a whole in 2024? Um, we love to kind of get our hosts to kind of do a bit of future gazing. Mm-hmm. What do you think we'll see in 2024? We've obviously, this year, I'd say we've had a lot of news, sorry, around advocacy stuff. Um, you know, yeah. a lot more restrictions coming in place. Do you think we'll see more of that, for example? Yeah, I think that, that that's a byproduct of the industry maturing. And ultimately, I think it's a, it's a good thing. It's obviously not a good thing for some hosts that, that get their, their industry regulated, but we've shown that if we can organize and we can make a, a strong case to governing bodies like this, you can prove that this is an industry that helps like individuals and, and residents of, of a, a certain city. Um, so I, I think that like more of that is going to happen. And so you just need to do a lot of research on on where you're investing and make sure that, okay, there are established laws on the books. There is a legal pathway for me to open and operate this business. And you have some legal protections against, you know, complaining neighbors or, or something like that. Um, I think there will be more of that uh, until it becomes like a much more commonplace, uh, heavily regulated thing. That being said, like we've we've seen a lot of um, we've seen a lot of uh, unit growth. Like more and more units are are uh, going onto the platforms, which means that in a lot of places you see like market occupancy down, even though travel uh, itself is up. Mm-hmm. And from my perspective, that gives an advantage to the individual owner because their properties tend to be larger. They tend to be more striking and singular. And so they have a, a, a product-based competitive advantage versus some of like the really big operators, people who are coming and like opening up a hundred listings at once, 500 listings at once. It's like, if, if you're looking at those head to head, generally the the property that's opened by an individual who fell in love with an area and like renovated a home themselves and decorated it themselves. Like that's the home that's going to get booked because it's just a superior experience for the guests. And now that the tools have also become a lot more mature, like, you know, I talked about founding buoy because like I was pretty frustrated with the, the existing tools five years ago. Well, those tools are pretty good now. They've all like made a lot of the same adjustments that that we integrated into Buoy, and so the same uh, the same pricing algorithms, the the same PMSs, all of that stuff that that the really big guys have, the small guys also have available to them. So I I uh, we may see lower occupancy and we may see like lower industry wide rev par, but I see advantages for people who have unique and striking homes. Awesome. Love it. Yeah. Unique and striking. That's what everyone should be striving for, I think. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Tim, final, final question. Very easy one. Um, if people want to find out more about Bowie, where do they head to? Yeah, go to Bowie.us. B-U-O-Y dot U-S. Perfect. Thank you very much, Tim. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. I- I've loved chatting with you. Hopefully our listeners have enjoyed it too. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks. Great. Thank you very much, everyone.